right, welcome back to Sports 1440, just after 9 o'clock. Uh, a lot of texts coming. We're going to talk about nicknames for a little bit here because there are some good ones and some bad ones. Uh, let's welcome in our co-host on Wednesdays, David Schlemko, the former NHLer, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out CougarCollision.com. Schlemmer. Kev. Yeah. So that's the nickname you, you've always had that. Yeah, Schlemmer's the main one. Any um, other ones? Yeah, in Arizona, I, a lot of guys called me Schlem Dog Millionaire, so I guess <laughs> that's that's pretty creative. Okay, now we're talking. <laughs> you know, as again, long names shorter, short names longer. That seems to be the gist of it. Yeah, hockey, especially hockey nicknames, not usually Schlem too creative. Dog Millionaire, that is outstanding. Um. Tiger says, that's totally awesome. I forgot uh, about Swamp Dog. You know, Swamp Dog was that Canadian. He's one of those guys that uh, was a Canadian, would run into a wall and smash his head. He was a tough guy. So that's Ron Este. He used to play, we were just talking about the 1981 uh, Edmonton Eskimos Great Cup Championship. Right. Uh, th- that was his nickname, Swamp Dog. So, like, I mean, those were names back in the day. Uh, Andrew says, how about Gravy for Ryan Graves? Again, different uh, making the long name shorter, short name longer. The Wedge, I agree. The nicknames are weak. Um, I know it's not an individual nickname, but the grind line from Detroit was sweet or Legion of Doom for Philadelphia. There's another example. And maybe all the line names were taken up, you know, because <laughs> you had the production line. That's way back. That's, you know, in Detroit. Sid Abel, uh, Gordy Howe, and Ted Lindsay. Legion of Doom was that was a fearsome line. Yeah, that's my childhood generation. I remember that one. Okay, so on that line was Eric Lindros, Mikhail Renberg, and Leclerc? John Claire. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, you had the French connection in Buffalo. Rene Robert, Gilbert Perrault, and Richard Martin. But he kind of went, he could have been, you know, Spanish too. He went by the kid <laughs> Ricardo Martin, so... Yeah, it seems like today they just they go by letters of their names. Or it's, it's not too creative anymore. Uh, Ewell Dave. Uh, Pickle's still around. Not sure if that one. But here's Northeast Mike. Duke. I like the Duke, but it's likely because of recency bias. Do you know this dude here? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, but the, the, <laughs> going back to Ewell Dave's Pickles, that is uh, Mark Edward Vlasic's nickname. Oh, Mark Edward Vlasic. Pickles. Brand name of Pickles. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> this one comes in. I saw Bob Marley at the Kinsman Fieldhouse November 17th, 1979, and the dude's got a couple shirts that he sent in. <laughs> so uh, did you hear that one about I had an old Hartford Whaler shirt? Yeah. Okay, so P. Tosh was on it, so he played with the Whalers. W-A-I-L-E-R-S, not W-H-A-L-E-R-S, so a little different there. Uh, I don't know. Did, did When you were playing, did you have a, a lot more? Other guys, like, or did you just come up with them? Or not many nicknames. You know, they they usually just go off the guy's last name. Um, you mentioned Pickles. Played with him. Yeah, you uh, were with him in San Jose, right? Yeah, played with Rafi Torres. He was Tico. But I'm I'm having a hard time thinking of mm-hmm. any other ones that were real creative. I was mentioned. We had a guy uh, back in the junior days. His name was Mike Shand. He was about 265 pounds. Uh, he was the biggest 20 year old you ever saw in your life. He could skate the fastest on the team in a straight line, and we just called him pot roast because he, he, he saw him eat a whole pot roast. Like, the guy had an enormous appetite. That's a Massive. good one. I like pot roast. Yeah. 
I actually like Dougie too, Duke. Yeah, that's uh, that was my <laughs> you know more what? popular one. Because when I when I moved to Edmonton, I lived in uh, farmhouse, the frat house of a bunch of hillbillies like myself, which another breeding ground for nicknames. Most of them make no sense, uh, but that's a time, story for another time. But there was another Brandon in the house, so the next immediate uh, transition is to my last name, which is Douglas. And yeah, Dougie is uh, a pretty popular one for me. But when again, not very creative. The Duke, Kevin, much more creative. I think the Duke is fine. <laughs> I love, Duke's you know, great. They're, again, both, they're both pretty deadly nicknames. Riding on the range. You know, what's that song? That's uh, I wish I was a cowboy, right? Home on the range? No. <laughs> I wish I was a cowboy. Oh, like Toby Keith. Yeah, yeah you know. It should have been a cowboy. Should have been a cowboy. <laughs> That's you, Duke. This I, is you. I, should have, we, we, I talk about that all the time growing up. Like, where did hawk? Where did playing hockey get me? Nowhere. Mm-hmm. Playing a, a year and a half in senior A in Delburn AB. Instead, yeah. I could have been, uh, like you said, throwing the rope, dragging some calves, yes. and I, I could have been at the CFR a couple weekends ago. Probably would have served me way better. There you go. <laughs> should have been a cowboy. <laughs> you know, one guy we got to get on, and uh, I'm just going to say it out loud. Just we maybe he's listening. I doubt it, but Kurt Benzmiller. Now there's a tough guy. I you, you know you got Ch- his yeah. I think it's his cousin Chance Ben's Miller, okay. another uh wagon driver. Right. He moved to the Delburn area and played I played senior hockey with okay. him. Okay. So I could uh, probably Miller. get that hooked up for it. You're us. talking there about you one of the greatest chuck wagon racers going right now, maybe the best. Dad, Buddy Benzmiller, I used to work the barns when I was working in Calgary at the Calgary Stampede, and I was in Buddy Benzmiller's barn because he had the old Copenhagen snuff tin. <laughs> that, that's was that's was the sponsor of his wagon, Copenhagen right. snuff, and they called it the Copenhagen snuff tin. That was right when Joe Carberry was leaving, calling the Chucks. Les McIntyre was coming in. I mean, you have you've gone to the Chucks obviously in Calgary, no? Not the stampede. Really. Oh, I'm not really. Dookie, really you've gone to the Chucks in Calgary? Oh, yeah. That, that's like when I go to the Stampede, like that's what I go. I like to actually go watch the rodeo and then go maybe wander around the midway for a bit and then mm-hmm. come back for the Chucks in the, in the evening in the grandstand. That's my yeah. favorite part of Stampede. Chuck wagons are like if you can get on the rail uh, right down, that's the better. Because, I mean, these horses are just so powerful. And you got, I'll be honest, and I understand for safety, but every Chuck wagon guy will tell you, that they would prefer to have four rigs going back the way it was. Now it's only three for safety. I get it, but it was better when there was four. You're not a fan. No. Well, no one is. No one is. It's not as entertaining? No. Well, I mean, you had four. You got four wagons doing the figure eight at the top, and then basically now it's just three. There's the strategy. I mean, everyone off the one barrel for the most part is going to have the rail all the time. Plus, they got all those big, stupid, wiggly things along the rail now. Those foam things that you see at the beaches. Oh, yeah. Right, Duke? The those noodles. things are on. Yeah, the noodles <laughs> are on the inside of the rail. They're out about, what, six feet? The horses are looking at these things going, what are we doing? All right. I mean, whatever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my uh, nicknames. Uh, Oh, okay. How about this one? Uh, this is a hey. There's a really good one. This from uh, from Jeff Hucklock, uh, the Montreal D man, uh, and he, no one can pronounce his name. It's, it's like Zcash or something. Uh, is the pronunciation on it? Czechai. 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 Okay, there you go. Uh, they call him Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Yeah, Wi-Fi. Not sure if you mentioned that one. Now that's a that's a cool that's nickname because no one knows what is like. They can never figure it out. So. <laughs> yeah. So it looks like a Wi-Fi password, right? Um. Uh, hey, good to see Mike, Paul, and Chuck text in again. 
Hey, Kevin, my four boys and two girls got Polly, and they thank me often. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Polly, you would call him whatever you would be, sir, is what you would call Polly back in the day. Um, Oilers in action tonight. Carolina, what did you make of the game Monday night? Last Again, couple. Last right, Saturday, too. They, they got to be the most frustrating team in hockey to watch. <laughs> I mean, just why they find a way to lose. I mean, they, they should have won the Tampa game. Mm-hmm. I thought the the effort was there. They they did enough good things to win. Uh, Florida game. I mean, you're up two nothing. You're up three two, and you still find a way to lose. It's uh, I don't know. It's frustrating to watch. Um, you're seeing you're seeing all their deficiencies come out at once. I think you know. I think there's there's three major deficiencies with this team: consistency and in goal, mm-hmm. some team defense, and some depth scoring. And and right now, it seems like. They don't have any of them, <laughs> any of them going. David Schlemko with us on Sports 1440, our Wednesday co-host. Why do you continually, uh, not you, why do we continually see the team fail to execute, to string, to connect one or two or, well, two or three or four shifts together to build, take a little momentum away, take a little life out of the opposition? We, we haven't been able to see that and no one knows why. Yeah, like like I said, I think it's maybe last year one of those deficiencies kind of poked its head out once in a while. And, you know, you got Connor and Leon going. They were confident and scoring all year. And I think they do a good job of hiding some of those deficiencies and outscoring some of those mistakes. And you got, you got Connor playing Hurts and you got Leon and maybe not feeling totally like himself and Mm -hmm. uh, they look like a pretty average team on most nights. Well, we were talking about it twice now today, today and even in past shows. Career years for four guys, five guys last year. Evan Bouchard took over the power play from Tyson Berry, didn't miss a beat, was probably just as good, if not better, uh, down the stretch and into the playoffs. But goaltending, Stu Skinner, Calder Trophy, um, nominee, but all of these, and then some power play, penalty kill, everything that was at the top of its game last year, or players at the top of their game last year, not even close this year. It's not even close. No, no, and even that's close. why that's why they are where they are. That's yeah. why they're five, eleven, and one. Yeah, they better get that PP clicking tonight because uh, Carolina is a tough team, five on five. Mm-hmm. And again, and we were talking with Spec, can you just plug one hole in the boat first? All right. You know, <laughs> let's not worry about <laughs> fixing everything, but try to fix a couple things. Maybe then by that, you can just kind of bail water for a little bit here. Yeah. Um, Jack Hamill went down to um, Baco, had a good game last night. We'll touch on him a little bit uh, after we get with Arash Madani. We'll touch on that with you and where you think his headspace is down in Baco. We'll touch on that at about... Uh, Uh, Maybe in the 10 o'clock hour with Vernon Fiddler as well. But uh, when we come back, uh, we will uh, check in with Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet. Big soccer to talk about, plus the kind of a great cup wrap from Arash uh, coming up uh, right after the break on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. 
That was a quick hitter there, Duke. Uh, we've got a rash, Madani. Was that uh, that was my bad? Oh, I was uh, getting right. a rash on the phone and uh, miss getting a song thrown in there. And then the uh, this is not fantasy frenzy. It is the uh, Kevin Carey show. <laughs> well, too. now so I'm going. We're, we're, we're all, where we're the hell am the, I? We're all over the place now. We're jumping ahead a couple hours, well, but all no. right. Arash, can you hear it? Can you hear us, Arash? Oh, now we don't have a rash. Well, we'll work on that. I think we'll try to hook up with Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, the Duke will get him back going again. So uh, that's live radio. That's how it goes, yeah. Schlemmer. That's how it goes. So uh, last night, Canada played Jamaica. I mean, everyone thought it was kind of, well, I mean, you still got to play the game. But uh, Canada played Jamaica, lost 3-2. And this was to go to the uh, Copa America. Uh, Arash, have we got you on the line now? Can you hear us? Yeah, I got you. How are we doing, guys? Oh, good. Arash, you're with Kevin Carries and former NHLer David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Thanks for uh, coming on. So last night's uh, soccer game, Jamaica and Canada, what did you make of it? Just a total lost opportunity for the for the national men's team. Yeah, you know, it struck me last night, guys, that it was 20 months ago, 20 months ago, hmm. when Jamaica last came to Canada on a frigid March Sunday, and it was a celebration for our country. It was a 4-0 decisive win. It was the day Canada clinched a spot into Qatar, going to the World Cup for the first time since 1986. All was well, a soccer nation, the golden age. Nothing could go wrong, Mm -hmm. except everything has since. (laughs) The World Cup itself was a debacle. They had the boycotts of games against Panama and Iran in Vancouver. They went to Vegas for the Nations League final back in June. They were completely humiliated there. John Herdman's left the program, and it's complete disarray. And all of it's happened in 20 months. And last night, players are leaving the field dropping Mm F-bombs. The goalkeeper called it an embarrassment and apologized to the country. And players afterwards are saying we have to be humble and hold each other accountable. Like it, it just, it has all come apart at the seams incredibly quickly. Arash, how much does this lie on Soccer Canada? Some, a lot. Um, but at some point, the players have got to own up too. You know, the Canada dominated that first half. To be honest, they should have been up two or three nil yesterday. Um, they stopped playing in the second half. You know, Jamaica made one adjustment, and Canada didn't know what to do with it. And it just feels that once something starts to go wrong on the pitch, the fellows just, like, find themselves in quicksand and have no idea how to get out of it. Now, look, Canada soccer should have had Matches scheduled in September during the window. Mm -hmm. They only did one in Japan in October. Canada soccer has a lot to blame for this. But not solely. Not solely. The players have to own this, and they they were the first to admit as much yesterday, too. Hmm. So what is the problem, would you say, exactly? Is this more on the players... More on management, uh, scheduling. Or is it just well, kind I mean, of a combination? The problem is everything. You know, the NCAA would call this a lack of institutional control. You know, from top to bottom, it, it, it just is in disarray right now. And 
I thought Mark Anthony Kay made a great point yesterday. He said, we have too much quality in this locker room for this to be the end result. But, David, you've been around pro teams. Like, what happens for two and a half hours on the ice is just part of the whole equation. Yeah, absolutely. When the whole thing is rotten, when the whole thing is broken, when the whole thing is incompetent, it's going to spill over. Now, some teams are able to overcome it for a little while, but I just finished covering the Grey Cup, <laughs> and the sense I got is that winning was hiding a lot of things in Winnipeg, and the sense I got last night is that the success of qualifying for Qatar, the novelty of the World Cup, hmm. was was also hiding some of the things that were brewing, you know, underneath the mm-hmm. underbelly with the national team. Arash Manati, Roger Sportsnet with us. Kevin Carey's David Schlemko on Sports 1440. And you mentioned the word and the name John Herdman, Arash. I mean, does he? did he see this kind of coming? Do you, he's a smart guy. Did you think that maybe where the direction of this program is going had a lot to do with him leaving it? Well, yeah, partly, but he's partly to blame for it, too. Okay. You know? Um, John Herdman was the guy who went to Qatar, took the team to Qatar. He made a fool of himself, and he made a fool of the national team. You know, all the comments before the Croatia game, the only country to show up, what, 30, 40 minutes late for mandatory obligations was Canada, nobody else. Completely outclassed, outcoached in the three matches at the World Cup. Mm-hmm. Then, you know gets to the Nations League final in Vegas against the United States, and they were absolutely run out of the gym. And Herdman says, well, that's not my fault. The fault was we don't have more quality opponents to go up against. (laughs) What what John Herdman's great at is marketing himself to make people believe that he's the reason for the success. But let's be real. Alfonso Davies, Jonathan Davis, Kyle Larian, Stephanie Stacchio. I mean, these are the players that were doing it. So did Herdman sense the ship was sinking? Probably. Hmm. Uh, Herdman, you know, made them look like a bunch of fools at the World Cup last year. And he probably, you know, saw the writing on the wall that, oh, my God, we're hosting the World Cup in 2026, and this is how it's going to go? I'm out of here. Which is fine, his prerogative, except he's kind of partly responsible for this being what it is right now. You, you know, Arash, when this team was here, and you did mention it, when the team was here for the two games uh, to sold-out crowds and cold and snow, and I mean, it was probably uh, that I can remember the height of how this team was put together. Can it ever get back to that? Well, I mean, here's, here's the thing. When we think back to the World Cup qualifying, who did Canada actually beat? Maybe the worst Mexico team in the history of their national team. Uh, The Jamaicans that came to BMO were a far cry from the quality of the roster that was yesterday. What you ended up seeing at the World Cup was that CONCACAF countries did nothing. (laughs) So... While it was a success and it was a novelty and it was wild and it was fun and it had all those remarkable moments jumping into the snowbank at the Ice Teca at Commonwealth, mm-hmm. all of that was fantastic. Except 
we weren't playing the varsity teams. We were playing JV. <laughs> and then when we went to Qatar, when we went to the World Cup and were playing against legitimate competition, we were made fools. So as romantic as some of that stuff was, and it was such a great time, you kind of start to realize, oh, wait a minute. It's because of what we were up against and who we were playing that kind of led to the pathway of the quote-unquote success that we had. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's a chance to get back to the Copa Americas with a win in uh, next year in March, I guess. Yeah. We don't know who they're going to play yet, but I mean, what are the chances there? I mean, this is with these windows with teams play or players playing wherever. It's tough. I mean, what do you think the odds are to win a game in March to to join? I mean, who knows? I don't who know. Who knows when you don't know who you're going to play? You don't know who the head coach is. <laughs> They've had Mauro Biello twisting in the wind as the interim coach, and he didn't do himself any favors. But remember mm-hmm. this, guys. You, you're right, Kevin. You're absolutely right. They have limited windows in which to bring the national team together and work. Yeah. You know when one of those windows was? <laughs> September. September. <laughs> And you know what Canada Soccer did in September? Nothing. Mm-hmm. They couldn't even get their act together to schedule a match, and they'll claim finances, um, to make it all happen. So this is what I mean by a lack of institutional control. Like, this is, this is really bad and really embarrassing, and we can get into the micro of where things went wrong last night, but fundamentally, it's just... It's just... Uh, this hurricane, this tornado coming through, and everyone's just, you know, ducking for cover instead of figuring out how to batten down the hatches. Oh, you know, I love it when you bring it, Arash. Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet. Uh, you and I, Arash, I think see eye to eye on many things with the Canadian Football League. Uh, how it is run, what happens, but I mean, I think it was a very successful Grey Cup. You were there. Your thoughts just on what you saw, what you felt, and what eventually happened in the Great Cup Championship game? Well, I'll be I'll be the first to admit I just never saw Cody Fajardo MVP <laughs> coming. <laughs> like not in not in ten million years. I didn't think he had the goods to be a championship quarterback. And uh and he did it. Mm-hmm. He did it with under two minutes to go. Down a score. 83 yards to a championship. Cody drove the field. Seven plays. Improvised on second and 18 for a 13-yard rush. Sets up third and manageable. Underthrows Cole Speaker, but Speaker goes up and makes the catch anyway. And then ultimately finds Tyson Philpott in the end zone, knowing pressure was coming and held onto it long enough for Philpott to make the double move to get in the end zone. Like, that's iconic championship drive stuff, which, tremendous for Cody, with everything he's been through, the Fajardo story has long been told it's terrific. (laughs) That's great. Here's the other problem. Winnipeg blew it. (laughs) Winnipeg absolutely blew it again for a second straight year. Happened against Toronto last year. Happened again this year. And guys, like, I know a lot of this sounds hot takey. This isn't. Zach Caleros has now failed in November. 
the sample size is enough. He's played nine postseason games going back to 2019. He has six touchdowns and eight picks. Six touchdowns Mm -hmm. in nine postseason games. And this is from the quarterback who has been the best player in the Canadian Football League in that span. So it's baffling. It doesn't make sense. But at some point, and this is not all on Caleros, this mm-hmm. almost found the, the Winnipeg loss in a lot of ways is similar to the whole Canada soccer narrative. That would, There were many organizational decisions Winnipeg made that you're just looking at them and saying, well, of course this was the end result because you did this, 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 and the other. Right, so where do the Blue Bombers go from here, Ash? Do they kind of stick with this core, stick with Caleros, or do they kind of blow things up after this? I think you have to stick with Caleros because how many really good quarterbacks are there in the league? (laughs) Not many. Fair. Yeah, and this guy's one of them. But it just felt like the Bombers' championship window closed the other night. Win or Mm -hmm. lose. You know, look at some of the guys who are long in the tooth. Adam Big Hill's been around the league for a while. Their bookend tackles, Stanley Bryan and Jamarcus Hardrick, have been around for a while. Pat Newfeld, the interior of their offensive line. Some of the veteran receivers that they have there. Uh, Brady Oliveira is a free agent. He wants to go explore NFL opportunities. Who knows if that's going to happen? Who knows what, mm-hmm. what team may pay him a ton of money as a Canadian? Yeah. So it's, it's hard to know exactly where they go from here, but it, it kind of, you get the sense. It felt like this was their, I hate using this analogy, the last dance. It kind of felt like it was their last dance, Well, and uh, they fell on their face. You know, and the other thing, too, and you mentioned last year, Arash, that, you know, this this is a team in a, you know, a four- or five-year window that could have been mentioned in the same breath as the 78 to 82 Eskimos. You know? 100%. And they should have won last year, and they should have won this year, and that would have been four in a row. Mm-hmm. And instead, what are they doing? They're sending Adam Big Hill out with a six-week calf injury eight days after he suffers the injury and the guy can't move. Mm -hmm. And the ball's sailing over his head into the end zone. They wasted a roster spot there. They only have six DBs dressed. So one guy goes down for a little while. Brandon Alexander's playing Mm -hmm. halfback. And my phone lights up (laughs) from... GMs and personnel people around the league saying Montreal's just going to go after 37. They they activate a fullback, a fullback in 2023 on their roster who gets turnstiled on their last offensive possession of the game when they were up three late in the fourth quarter mm-hmm. uh, to get Montreal the ball back. I mean, on and on we can just go and I'm like, what are they doing? But winning hides a lot of things until it doesn't. And then once you start doing a deep dive as to why things didn't work out, that's when there's a lot of people who got to look in the mirror and own it. And I just wonder who's going to own it in that franchise. And they beat up on all the, the weak, the poor sisters, you know, all season long. Edmonton, Calgary. Well, you can only beat who you play, right? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> look at how bad the, the, the CFL West was this year. It was probably well, a year I, you've never I, seen before. I tell you this, going into the playoffs, I I picked Hamilton to beat Montreal, I picked Toronto to beat Montreal, and I picked Winnipeg to beat Montreal because the Alouettes were right there as bad as some of the teams in the West. You know, someone on this conversation picked Montreal to win. Oh. Uh, uh, sorry, I, I, I did it with Eddie Steele. 
Uh, so, okay. So, uh, what did he say? Well, he looked at me like I was from another planet. Sure. <laughs> As he usually does Friday, every Friday when yeah, he co- right. when he calls. So one last one for you, Rash, and again, getting to the point of where you and I believe where the CFL is, where it was, and where it's going. How would you assess the state of the CFL right now moving forward? Well, I just think their priorities are in the wrong spot. They keep talking about Atlantic Canada expansion, and that's not going to happen. It's about to blow up in their face again, Mm -hmm. just like the global program blew up in their face, just like it feels like everything Randy Ambrose is touching is blowing up. But focus on what your strengths are and improve those and find what's wrong right now within your ecosystem and fix those before you start high in the skying. You know, they've boasted proudly about this U.S. TV deal. Great. You have games in June, July, August on on CBS Sports Network. And not one playoff game was aired because, you know, CBS Sports Network would rather put UAB versus Memphis State on. Or Pickleball. On a Saturday. <laughs> sure. Sure. So I just... Um, you know, they can't get a stats program right that a yeah. t-ball team for, with a bunch of seven-year-olds in a, in a gambling and fantasy football world. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like they're trying to distract away from all their issues by bringing up things that just aren't of relevance or, or don't matter to to try and mask some of those issues. And they got to get it figured out here in Edmonton, Arash. I mean, holy smokes. Well, I mean, that's and this is kind of my point. The commissioner comes out yeah. and he boasts, you know, the future is bright in Edmonton. I'm like, really? Can only go one way. Didn't you, <laughs> didn't you just close the upper deck to your stadium? <laughs> oh, well, what what are the strengths though? What are the strengths of the CFL or Ash that they can the game, kind of exploit? The game, the players. What happens in the end? In the end, after all the turmoil and all the circus. You get a game like Sunday, and you're just like, right, right. That's why. That's why. In spite of the people running the operation, the kids are okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh comes back to that. You know, hey, the last time we talked, you were with the basketball team. Philippines, Thailand, where were you? I can't remember now. Yeah, Philippines. We are in Manila. Yeah. Oh, Manila. I was in the backseat of a taxi, leaving the arena, coming back to the hotel. I remember it well. Yeah, because we, we were talking about when you're going to go for a quick bite to eat somewhere, and you are like, I don't know where I'm going, man. And you are like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thanks for doing this, Arash. That's, that's Appreciate kind of the story of my life. I don't know where I'm oh, going, you know, what I'm doing, I think, I think got, trying to make it. I think you got an idea where things are going. So thanks for uh, hopping on today. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Arash. Thanks, boys. All right, that's Arash Madani from Rogers Sportsnet. You know, he always has a a different perspective because when you go and cover the great cup for the competition network, yeah, you know, you don't have to go on all the TSN guys. It's all, you know, everything's, you know, sunshine and rainbows for a week. You yeah. watch TSN, but then Arash comes in and has his perspective. He tells it how it is. Oh, you, you better believe it. He does. Uh, and uh, Eddie Steele comes in with a text. Ah, ha, ha, my man Arash, keeping it real. The rig says, Arash is fired up. It's awesome. The rig. Uh, when we come back, are you in or are you out? Schlemmer. 
Schlemdog Millionaire. <laughs> that's still one. Of, that's got to be one of the better ones. We've got a lot of nicknames coming in too. Uh, Andre Red Light Rascal. Oh, that's a good one. I it forgot came about from that Parkland one. Matt. So, are you in or are you out? When we come back on uh, Sports fourteen forty, it's curious. It's Schlemko. <laughs> when we come back, stay with us. Oh, and the Duke wants to bring some real rock and roll to the inner out segment. Is that Taylor Swift? No, Kevin. <laughs> uh, no, that would be Katy Perry oh, yeah. of uh, American Idol judge fame, maybe. Uh, skip the Dishes commercials? Also, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Kevin Carey's David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Of course, um, the Schlem Dog Millionaire, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out Cougar collision.com now we are getting set for our daily segment are you in or are you out or are you in or are you out uh the duke of delburn has come up with another five stellar statements kind of questions points bullet points go ahead duke rattle them off again all right, gentlemen, 14-game uh, slate in the NHL last night after zero on a Tuesday night where there was nothing else outside of NBA and college sports on. Now, what I'm saying is that the NHL having zero games last night and 14 tonight is a misfire on scheduling and is idiotic in nature. <laughs> I am I am in with it being idiotic. I think it was a bad move by the NHL last night. I am totally okay with no NHL games tomorrow because there are none tomorrow again for American Thanksgiving. But to have two games or two days where there are no games, I think it was a bad move by the NHL. So I am in on idiotic scheduling by the NHL. I will second that, Kev. I'm also in on that being idiotic scheduling. Um, <laughs> I, I understand that there's is different issues with the networks and different sports and trying to maximize viewership, but uh, it's pretty disappointing when there's no games on. You got 32 teams in the league. You should. I think there should be a game on every night. I understand American Thanksgiving, <laughs> but... There, there's 100% reason to avoid certain days where the competition on television viewership or live viewership or holidays, mm-hmm. traveling, whatever. But like I said, what else was on last night to keep people... Th- and even like the you ra- want to talk oh, about just the, the Raptors NBA, game, right? The NBA in-season yeah. tournament, there was only five NBA games. Yeah. It's not like it was a full slate there either. And so my biggest issue with this is that then they overload it tonight with 14 games. This is We talked about this when the NHL mm-hmm. did their frozen frenzy thing where they yeah. all, all 32 teams played. Even when you stagger the start times, you cannot possibly watch all of those games when they're all on at the same time. Bad move. Wake up, Gary. Yeah, wake up. <laughs> Gary. <laughs> Gary. Um, and on the note of the NBA's in-season tournament, uh, they third to last <laughs> round of group play games was last night with the, uh, the aforementioned five games on the schedule. Ten on Friday, eight more next Tuesday before we move into the quarterfinal section of the tournament. Uh, what I'm saying is that by the time this wraps up, the championship game is on December 9th. Our own Kevin Carius, despite his confusion and lack of grasp of the format, will be emotionally invested into the NBA's in-season tournament. 
Out. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am obviously out with this one. Again, I just still don't understand it. You rattled it off here, Duke, for 15, 20 seconds. You're trying to explain to Schlemmer about it during the break. He has no concept. I'll use it for the third time, third straight time. You have to be Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting to figure this out. I am out. Get rid of it. <laughs> Yeah, I'm obviously also out. I had to ask Duke what it was at the break. So, uh, yeah, already, yeah. already been underway for three weeks, and this is brand new press clipping to David Schlemko. But that's uh, that's all right. The NBA not uh, not in everybody's wheelhouse. I'm sure uh, our own uh, Declan Freddy Krueger here uh, from the Lowdown with Low Tide, who's a big NBA guy, he'll be a little upset with you guys for your lack of investment so far but my apologies uh, that's all good before we move away from the NBA uh, Victor Wembanyama's debut game worn jersey sold for a record for a rookie $762,000 I do not understand the infatuation with sports or any type of memorabilia really and so as a result I'm saying that uh, whether it be sports memorabilia or historical things they are way overpriced and basically serve the same purpose as uh, modern art. I'll let you go first, Schlemmer. Okay. I am 100% with you there, Duke. I'm in. Um, I agree. Whether it's sports or any kind of collectibles, I think they're all overpriced. I don't know where all these rich people live that have this stuff, <laughs> but I don't understand what makes people want to pay that much for it. But... Uh, to each their own, I guess. What do you think, Kev? Well, I'm going to go the exact opposite. I want everything to go through the roof and have as much money out there as possible. Let's get the money f- just flowing. I want to see the Babe Ruth jersey from 1928-30 that George Costanza brought off the, the wall and started eating strawberries and wiped strawberry juice all over when he was trying to get fired <laughs> while, by the Yankees. While dragging the World Series trophy yes, around the park. I want to see all that stuff go through the roof as much as possible. I'm in. I want to see the price is right. These things that have, if they are valuable to like the history of the game, whether mm-hmm. whatever sport it is, then put them in the Hall of Fame or some <laughs> sort of place where they're actually for everybody to, to see, enjoy. Like, what does owning these things actually provide for the people that have them you make money you're making money you are buying this as an investment that's what you're buying it for yeah and so here's here's my point back to the modern art thing you know what people buy art for investment tax scams (laughs) (laughs) so okay go ahead if if you're paying 762 grand for a victor webb yama jersey why is it worth that much because the only purpose is that someone else is also willing to pay it so then when you turn around and sell this who knows? Maybe Wembenyama has a Hall of Fame career, and this is worth $1.5 million when he retires his first ever game. The only person willing to buy that is the same person that was willing to spend seven hundred grand today. Like it, it makes no sense why people are willing to spend this much money for nothing that it just hangs on a wall. So you're out. I'm like, <laughs> It's it's he, ludicrous. He's in because it's old. Yeah, I'm old. in oh, on. I'm out. in okay, on I'm out. overpriced. Okay. Kevin's okay. out. I'm out. Yeah, I want it. I want as much money out there as possible. You want to juice the economy. Exactly. Yeah, inflation. Well, <laughs> you want to talk about tax scams and all that stuff. I mean, let's. We, there's another topic we can get into. Oh yeah, I'm sure that'll get yeah. the text line fired up. But we'll get it. Get into Canada's tax policy. Yes. Um, all right. 14 games in the NHL tonight, uh, including five teams that currently sit ahead of the Oilers. Uh, in the playoff race 
and the final playoff wildcard spot. The Kraken hold that last spot. The Predators, Flames, Yotes, and Ducks are all ahead of the Oilers, but outside the playoffs. What I'm saying is that by the end of tonight's slate of games, the Oilers will be closer to a playoff spot than they are this morning. Uh, the Preds and Flames play each other. The other three teams all play <laughs> different opponents. All right, I'll go first. Um <laughs> You know, the Oilers never cease to surprise me, but um, I'm going to say out on this one. I think they're going to have their hands full against uh, a tough Carolina team that uh, plays really fast, four checks hard, and I think they're going to have some problems getting out of their own zone tonight. Duke, who did you say was playing each other? The Flames and the Predators. Okay, Flames and the Predators. What about Anaheim and Arizona? Uh, Anaheim plays the Habs, okay. and the Yotes play the Blues. So as long the crack as and play the sharks. Okay, as long as one of those teams wins, yeah, they'll vault over St. Louis and Kraken possibly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, yeah, I am totally but, out yeah. that the Oilers will be closer to a playoff spot tonight. They need. Uh, I mean, ninety-nine of our hundred texters calling for a <laughs> Hurricanes victory tonight cannot be wrong. Maybe it's a reverse jinx type situation or, or like a uh, like who was the we had a text in saying that they're betting on the hurricanes tonight mm. which is a, a common move uh, to bet against your favorite team so that way no matter what happens you have at least some form of um happiness whether it be financial mm-hmm. or emotional <laughs> uh, in this case so um yeah they they obviously need a lot of help uh, each of these teams to lose besides the the flames and preds only one can lose and then at that point you just hope it's not an overtime game Mm -hmm. i guess so they're in tough to inch their way closer but they need a win regardless and uh, finally steering away from the world of sports but not too far it is the final day of the american work week as we approach on thanksgiving tomorrow black friday what i'm saying is that canada should adopt a new or move a current holiday slash uh, statutory day off to coincide with american thanksgiving or black friday Oh, I don't know, Duke. You're, you're staying up, and what are you? You got a, like a six pack of Schlitz, you know? These come, the, these come to me in my like, sleep. I have lucid <laughs> dreams, and I can picture myself not working tomorrow. Yeah, and just sitting I on the couch. You. Yeah, from uh, 10:30 a.m. until nine o'clock at night with a football game on every hour in between. I'm going to say I am out on this. Canada's an original. We we are our own country. We are we have our own stuff. We celebrate Memorial Day on a different thing you know victoria day is different the united states celebrates their veterans day on a different day we like remembrance day on the 11th because that's when the war ended uh i'm saying that i'm out i i think i like it the way it is however i would like to have a little couple of tweaks in the sense where the day is the day and say if it's on a thursday have it always on the thursday so you get a four-day weekend oh yeah whether you know what i'm saying so like let's just say uh, let's just use july first for an example right so figure it out or or or, or figure out the day where it's going to be you're going to get a four-day weekend not a three-day weekend like the american thanksgiving how's that sound that sounds good i like the four-day weekend yeah the homer just, simpson just to be interesting though i'm gonna go in on that one i um after living in the states i like the american thanksgiving i oh. like it in november Nobody's allowed to decorate for Christmas until American Thanksgiving's over. It's not like Canada. You go in the grocery store on November 1st, <laughs> and it's just Christmas stuff everywhere. Yeah. You know, and then you get the good Black Friday sales. I mean, mind you, we're kind of doing the same thing in Canada now, but it's it's good for Christmas shopping. You get I mean, all the, the mall's wild already, and we're Boxing not even on. Boxing Day is useless. Christmas is over. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well done again, Duke. But uh, yeah, what's your two my, cents? My here? final note here on this is like I can like I'm not saying move Canadian Thanksgiving to this, okay. but they're like Remembrance Day is the only holiday in the month of November, and it's not even a stat across the country. No. Why can you not like we create holidays for all sorts around it? Like look at the states; they have Flag Day and Arbor Day and all these things. And I'm not saying they're all days off per se, but why can there not be just a generic national holiday? on this the the last friday of or third friday i guess mm-hmm. of november um so maybe you don't get the thursday off but you get the friday like thursday night into the friday you don't it's a day off you know they're they're trying to institute truth and reconciliation day as a stat holiday in some provinces and yes. some it isn't some it isn't yeah depends on where it falls again right i think it fell on the weekend this year it did it was a saturday yeah some banks were closed on mondays some institutions were closed on Mondays. They treated it like, just like, and Remembrance Day was on a Saturday as well. Banks, institutions, some treated it as a three-day holiday weekend. Some don't. There's another question. Why isn't it just across the board, (laughs) one or the other? Another good question. There you go. Technically, Duke, you and I shouldn't have been here in here on Monday morning. We go. should have had a three-day weekend. Well, so that was at, that Sunday was when Chris Knobloch uh, took over as yes. coach of the Oilers. And so on that Sunday, Connor Halley and I came in to mm-hmm. do a quick hour and a half on air talking about the firing and the new hiring, which we were happy to do. Obviously, news mm-hmm. is relevant. But then when we were talking with Marty Stevens, uh, bench boss of the sales team here at Stingray, he said, uh, all right, guys, enjoy your day off tomorrow. And we were, we're like, don't we work tomorrow? Yeah. And Marty's like, are you sure? And I was like, well, I got a full show booked for Monday, so I sure hope we're on air. And uh, then we had we talked about it on that Monday. The commercials were all out of whack because yes. the traffic team thought exactly. we would not be on all these things. So, yeah, a little uniformity I think would be good. That's what I see. A lot of Public sector, private sector, big big difference in holidays, I think. Uh, top of the hour, when we come back, an old teammate of the Schlemdog millionaire, Vern Fiddler, his son plays for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Blake, we'll chat about that and some old times and maybe a little bit about uh, what happened 10, 11 years ago with uh, a certain member on the now Hockey Night in Canada panel, former Vancouver Canuck. When Vern was playing in Dallas, one of the best videos that you will see on the old interweb. Uh, That's coming up at 10 o'clock. Before that, here is the Duke with a sports 1440 update.